this idea that we can pay attention to how we're feeling within the practice. We um, we can get to know ourselves first, you know, through our bodies, through these moving meditations that we do. And the more comfortable that we feel within that practice, the more confident we become, the more we feel it's okay to live authentically, to express ourselves and learning to love yourself through the practice. I mean, that's what it's all about. So, yeah. Hello and welcome to Space Case, a rocket yoga podcast I am Elsie Yogi, here with you month by month, case by case, so we can explore the personal histories of yogis around the world, sharing the practice created by Larry Schultz. Welcome back to our ongoing discovery of the rocket yoga practice as told by those who love to share it. Each case is a completely unique expression of a practice that unites yoga around the globe. So here's how this works. A series of questions and one special rocket yogi every month. Behind the handstands and the hashtags, We'll seek out the origin stories, philosophies, self-practice approaches, individuality and creativity, and more, while we hear how rocket yoga is embodied in one unique space case. All right, so, Samastitihi, let's take a listen to the case history of Jameis Huff. Rocket Vinyasa teacher and mentor based out of Charlotte, North Carolina, beginning with her Rocket Yoga origin story. So, I'm Jameis Huff. I am a Rocket teacher and mentor out here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I love the idea of the before Rocket and after Rocket. So, my yoga journey. Started, I dabbled a little bit in my 20s. My mom was a yoga teacher before they were doing 200-hour trainings and always tried to get me into it. But I was, you know, you know how, how we roll when we're in our late teens and early 20s. And so I moved to the Virgin Islands after college. I was down there for five years on an island called St. John. And my mom sent me some of Shiva Ray's DVDs that I started practicing. And I eventually moved to Austin, Texas, where I, well, I've always been an athlete and I loved running. And I ran my first marathon without training properly. And when I was in Austin and did a lot of trail running and messed up my knee pretty badly to the point where I couldn't run for a while. And I, before I heard it, I was running you know, 10, 15 miles a day. And someone said that I should go check out a hot power yoga class. So I rolled into one. I loved it. I, as many of us, 
we get sucked in by the physical aspect of the practice. But I also burst into tears at the end of class and didn't know why I became very inquisitive about that, started practicing, ended up doing a 200-hour training there, and then moved back to Northern Virginia, moved in with my parents when I was 28, and um, that was in 2012, I guess. And there were not many yoga studios where they lived, and I ended up by chance going into a studio that had just opened called Prana Vibe. And the teacher, her name is Virginia Lung, and she's a rocket teacher. And I rolled into a rocket class, having no idea what I was getting into. And there was something about it. And it wasn't just that the practice felt really good in my body. It was also Virginia's vibe. She, I hadn't been around a yoga teacher like that, maybe ever who was a powerhouse, so strong, had so much knowledge, had been teaching for a long time, but at the same time, so laid back, so welcoming. And she would take the time to break poses down for me. And that felt invaluable. And we would do it in a way that was really fun. She pushed me past the limitations that I had set for myself. She was the one who taught me how to jump back and jump through. I mean, it took a couple years, but, um, and she also really got to me with helping me understand not only ego within physical practice, but also the beauty of the rocket where we never master a pose. And even if we think we've mastered something, because sometimes we do get caught up in that, there's always another variation. And I had finally been able to hold a handstand away from the wall. And I'll never forget, I was in class and I was the only person in the room. The classes were small. There was probably six or seven people. And I was the only person in the room that could hold a handstand away from the wall. And I think she could sense that I was like, yeah, I'm awesome. And she came over and said, hey, so I think it's time for us to start working on one-armed handstands. Let's come on over to the wall here and gave me some blocks. And really, it was a really great lesson for me as a new teacher. And, and she did it in a way that was kind and joking a little bit, but it also, it taught me a lot. And so I was practicing with her for a couple of years. And then my husband and I, we weren't married yet at the time, but we moved down to Charlotte, North Carolina. I guess that was 2015. And um, well, and to backtrack. So before we moved to Charlotte, I did my 500 hour training with in Prana Flow. It's called Prana Vinyasa now, but with Shiva Ray and Maria Gare. So I was, doing about half of the trainings out in Frederick, Maryland, and then the other half out in LA. And so studying that really creative, slow, fluid movement. Um, I studied a lot of Ayurveda. And at the same time, I was still taking weekly rocket classes with Virginia. And I, I thought it was a really wonderful balance for me because of what I know about Ayurveda. I have a lot of fire and I have a lot of water, a lot of pitta and a lot of vata. And so 
it was it was a great balance for me but i was always very intrigued by the rocket and by the way virginia did a great job presenting ashanga in a way that felt like i could do it and it wasn't super militant and so when i moved down to charlotte i was googling prana flow and rocket and there was none no rocket teachers no prana flow teachers a lot of hot, very fast power yoga. What kind of the kind of power yoga where anything goes? Um, and the big Baptiste studio too. And I love the Baptiste flow. I feel so good in my body. I never felt a a pull to teach it, but I enjoyed it. However, after being in Charlotte for a while and just only practicing this hot, creative. Uh, you know, just sort of you get in, you sweat, the teacher's creative, there's no consistency. I started to notice that there was a lull in my practice, that I wasn't getting stronger, I wasn't getting more open. And I am a goal-oriented person, and I take that from Ayurveda, that sometimes I can definitely get into my practice and get me into trouble. But when I'm in balance and when it's healthy for me, I like that. Um, I like to know that I'm getting stronger. I like to see my progression. It helps me keep showing up on my mat every day. So I realized I needed rocket in my life. And if there were no rocket teachers here in Charlotte, I was going to have to become a rocket teacher. And so my plan was to get certified, come back to Charlotte with the hope that I would encourage other people to want to get certified. So then I could take rocket classes and ended up going to DC to take a training with David Kyle and came back to Charlotte. And that land that resonated with me when you had mentioned not having rocket teachers around. So it was kind of crazy because I came back here with my manual and, you know, there's not really any rocket uh, classes or anything online. And so I came back and shifted and stopped practicing at the studio, all the studios that I was teaching at. I mean, at that point, I was probably teaching 15 to 20 classes a week. And I just started practicing rocket at home. And within about three months of making that shift of practicing um, all three sequences, integrating all the drills that David had taught us, I, my, my practice, it was, it was insane how strong I got in a short period of time to the point where other people started noticing people that would come to my classes and just um, all, all of a sudden I could do crow to handstand. And that was something I'd been working on for four years and had never felt like that was ever anything I'd be able to do. But with this consistent practice and, and the drills, all of a sudden it happened. So I finally, I, I was wheeling and dealing with studios around here because nobody wanted to give me a class on the schedule that was called rocket because hot power yoga is what gets people in the door that's the money maker but i was able to get one class on at the studio and and people would come the attendance was about half of of what the hot power classes were at that 545 time slot but um but at the same time there were enough people that came back consistently that really liked it that were that were intrigued, that would wait around after class to say, what was this? This is so cool. And then I was leading 200 hour teacher training. So I, I was able to integrate, you know, as special offerings as workshops, like, hey, we're gonna do as a treat this morning, we're gonna do a rocket class. And, and teachers are very fueled by the rocket, I think, because, 
because it shows you where you can go and it gives you steps to get there. And so I was able to, um, to then find some people that I knew believed in the practice as much as I did. And so even as studios wouldn't want to keep it, I, I had a lot of pushback and, um, and there were studios that would say, you can teach rocket, but you can't call it rocket on the schedule. You have to call it hot power flow and you have to turn the heat on a little bit. You don't have to turn it all the way up to a hundred, but you have to have it on some. And so um, that is how I really made it work is I would trick people into coming to rocket classes. And there's a studio down in Fort Mill, South Carolina that I was teaching at weekly. And I was teaching these morning classes. And so I'd get a lot of soccer moms and um, they would drop their kids off at school and then they would come to my class and, and they would come in thinking they were taking just a regular power, hot power class. And I would always introduce and say, you know, hey, I'm Jameis and, and we're gonna practice the sequence called the rocket. I would teach rocket too. And, um, and before you know it, you know, these 40, 50, 60 year old women are learning to do handstands away from the wall. They feel so empowered by the strength that they didn't know they had, by the strength that they're able to develop that eventually I was allowed to call it rocket on the schedule. And a lot of those women have since become certified rocket teachers and they teach around town. So yeah, then I was able to get um, Pat McLeaf came here to Charlotte to lead the first rocket training. And we had about 15 people, then he came back and you know we'd almost doubled it at that point. We had 20 some and then David came back this summer. So that was our third rocket training. And then I've been leading tons of rocket immersions and I filled them up. Uh, this, I just had the third one about two weekends ago. And, you know, we get anywhere from 25 to 35 people, not just teachers, but students who just want to learn and, and hang out with fun people. So, yeah, that's my life story as far as rocket goes. It's so exciting to hear Jameis talk about how she built a community of passionate practitioners in a space where the market is fairly focused on one particular style. I was really interested in the growth she described, which came out of her rocket yoga practice that she discovered she missed when practicing other styles. I asked her to elaborate on the contrast she found between the dynamic power flow vinyasa styles she studied as well as those she found in her community and about how this has shaped her as a facilitator. Sure. So I would start saying that I love Prana Flow, Shiva Ray taught me, you know, as she was a, uh, an Ashtanga practitioner for years. And so she really, all of Prana Flow and Prana Vinyasa, it's steeped in the teachings of Ayurveda. That's sort of what it all, um, what it all stems from. And so much of what she taught us is about how important it is to have solar practices in your life as well as lunar practices. And as someone who was an athlete my whole life, who's always drawn to the fiery practices, I found that was invaluable. That was one of the greatest gifts that Shiva gave me was 
to help me understand the, the, I had such an aversion to moving slow to these lunar practices, to really slowing down and getting grounded um, that I had to ask myself why that aversion was there. And it was because I wasn't nurturing the feminine side of me, the water side, the moon side, um, because I think, I guess in my opinion, there's a lot of reasons. I think we live in a very solar society where we're fast moving, hard, hot, like, like the more power, the more fire you have, the more powerful you are. And I also think as a woman, we often tend to overcompensate or I'll speak for myself. I would tend to overcompensate with, with acting tougher and more confident and more fiery than I actually am because I don't want to appear weak. But in turn, that, that created an imbalance because I wasn't nurturing the more feminine aspect of my life. And one way that we can do that is through these physical practices, they're tools. So I had this um, from, sorry, are you there? Yes, okay. I'm totally here. Okay, you're sorry about right that. Right on it. No, sorry. No, you're great. Okay, all right. Okay, cool. Um, so I, I really loved that. And I, I still integrate a lot of prana flow and Ayurveda into the way that I teach the rocket. But I found when I got here to Charlotte, people did not want to move slow at all. They still don't. <laughs> but um, part of why I felt deep, like intuitively, and I would say this to studio owners, I would say this to other teachers, and to rocket friends that I would meet at trainings, and um, husband, you know, who's not a yoga teacher, he's a, you know, in the business world, but he would hear me talk about this all the time. I would say from the beginning, I'd say, I just know Charlotte, like I know people can benefit from the rocket because it has what if, if there are people who are set on on seeing their yoga practice, like they, they want a quote unquote workout, they want to sweat, they want to work hard. And sometimes, not all the time, I've taken beautifully sequenced um, hot power yoga classes. So this isn't uh, a general statement, but I, I would see this sometimes that sometimes the emphasis on moving so quickly, where we lose this aspect of connection between movement and breath. And, um, and it's so creative that it becomes chaotic sometimes. And the thing about the rocket is you don't need the hot room. Not only do you not need the hot room, you can't really, <laughs> you can't really practice a full, like awesome rocket to with the heaters on because I've tried it and people just start dropping like flies in child's pose. And so with the rocket, we generate that heat, but it comes from the inside out. And it's, there is an aspect of creativity. I love that no rocket class that you take is ever going to feel exactly the same. Um, however, you know, it feels that creativity. However, there is this sense of balance within the practice. It's so intelligently sequenced with your nervous system, with standing poses, the forward bends. And I love it the most because you're giving control back to students, back to practitioners. And I know that that doesn't happen in a lot of, of yoga spaces. I've been in spaces before too, where I felt 
um, you know, where I've been called out for doing something or not doing something. Um, and, and I love that in the rocket, it's like you can do, you can literally skip every chaturanga and do a handstand in between every time if you want to. And I'm in the corner cheering you on as the teacher. Or you can slow down. You can, you know, I always give people space to do at least one round of sun salutations on their own. Like it's really giving the power back to the students. And I think that's just across the board as humans and a lot of people who make their way into yoga spaces. We're looking, we're looking for something. And a lot of us deal with lack of self-confidence. And I think the rocket makes people feel empowered makes me feel empowered so that's yeah okay that emoji with the hands up with the two hands up I'm just like standing <laughs> over reaction. here standing here with my I have a standing desk I have a standing desk and I have my laptop and I'm just like praise and I'm just like thank you um, this is I mean seriously you're this really resonates for me. But if you'd be willing to share more about what led you to create your own space and do your own immersions and do your own experiences for people so that you could really, I think you wrote, I wrote down something about what you said. Um, finding the people who love the practice as much as you do. Like that really resonated for me. So if you could talk a little bit more about that, it'd be awesome. Sure. So I would start with, um, I, I was helping manage a big studio here. You know, I, I was, I was teaching all over the place and, um, and like you said, it's hard to get studio managers who are or studio owners who just, you know, they're thinking how much money am I going to lose if I let Jameis call the, you know, Monday night, 630 class rocket. Because I, I definitely think the name sounds very intimidating. And what would happen is I, I would kind of wheel and deal with studio owners. <laughs> a new studio would open up in town. I feel like that's happening all the time. And they'd say, hey, you know, I'm opening this studio and I really want you to come teach for me. And I would say, well, um, sure, if you let me have at least one rocket class on the schedule and I want to call it rocket. And so I would have, you know, I would teach my hot power class and I would teach my rocket class. And one thing that I would do <laughs> is, and I did this from the very beginning, is within the hot power class, I, I would switch things up because I usually do peak flow sequencing, you know, very prana flow like, and, um, and I would essentially teach the rocket skeleton like the rocket two because the rocket two flows like a power yoga class in my opinion um rocket one with all the jump backs and jump throughs can be very discouraging and if you do not practice ashtanga it can feel very foreign like you don't know what's going on and and you're not ever going to be able to do those fines i mean i watch it i watch people's faces change but rocket two flows like a power flow class and so what i would do is i would teach the rocket two sequence but I would make it more fluid, like less, um, less holding. And I wouldn't do the counting, the ones, you know, just, and then after I would say, you know, thank you. Thank you for coming. And for those of you who enjoyed class tonight, um, this was rocket. This was the rocket. Did you die? No, I see you guys. You liked it. You were having fun. That's rocket. Come on Thursday. Thursday at 430 is rocket. And that would get people to be like, oh, oh. And then they'd come up after class and say, wow. 
I thought the rocket was like something so totally different. And it's like, no, it's power. It's power yoga at its best is what I usually tell people very intelligently sequenced. And another thing that I did a lot of is I would teach a lot of, of free rocket classes at, at studios. I would say, you know, it's, it's, it's free just to try to get people to come in. I would offer, you know, kind of shocking that, well, the studio owners would let me do it, but I would do it all the time where I'd say, give up my pay. Like, you don't have to pay me $35 or whatever it is for the class tonight. Um, can we open it up and make it free just so that people can come practice rocket? And I would get, you know, let's say there, I would get 30 people in the room. Maybe one of those people would come to my class the next week. And I had, I still have a core. So rocket is niche. That That is for sure. It's, it's not for everyone, but the people who find it and it resonates with them, they are like, what was that? I have, I have to practice this more. And that was so amazing. It felt so good. I felt so empowered. It was so challenging, but also with that lack of chaos, like it's still a really grounding practice. And so I ended up leaving, you know, this big studio and started renting out a space. And for a while it was me and you know, maybe one, two students, sometimes three. It was a big week. I'd have four or five people. Maybe they'd bring a friend. But those people that loved it would always make a point to say after class, like let's say I did end up inadvertently giving a private lesson to whoever it was. The Rocket is still designed to be such a community-based practice that teaching Rocket to one or two people can actually be really fun versus if you have to teach a a vinyasa class um, where you're kind of going through the motions uh, with rocket you can break stuff down for people and 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 change their practice dramatically just by one-on-one -on -one saying yeah here's a few tips for pincha how to make that feel better or um, here's some drills that you can work on or just explaining to them why maybe anatomically like yeah hey you've got really tight shoulders that's why this is hard for you and, and that's okay and so I, I had these core group of students who would remind me, say, you know, hey, just want you to know, I really love this. Like, I really love Rocket, and and you're really great at teaching it. And I hope you don't stop. I hope you don't just give up and just just go back to just teaching hot power yoga because that's what fills the room. And that was enough to keep me going, just to know that I wasn't crazy, that there were a few other people. And then um, I have two sense, I mean, I would call them some of my greatest friends in the yoga community, uh, Michelle Miller, who essentially is leading the, the Fort Mill, South Carolina rocket community. And then um, another teacher, he took my 200 hour training, Gervier, and, um, and I would do the same thing where it'd be like a special rocket class. And after he was like, that was awesome. I want more of that. And then after they took that training with Pat, um, I think once people understand what Rocket is and they understand how complex the sequence is and they understand how how much we emphasize breath and Banda and Drishti and, and Larry's philosophy of, hey, um, we, can, we can work hard, we can take our practice seriously, but we also don't need to take ourselves seriously. And, and oh no, we can laugh during our yoga class. Like I remember the first class I was at, um, one of the rocket classes in Virginia with my teacher, Virginia. 
And I will never forget that I was um, <laughs> trying to do forearm stand. I couldn't really do it away from the wall yet. And some, this woman next to me, like turned and looked at me and she was like, hey, if you, you know, move your elbows in, she starts talking to me. And no one had ever talked to me in a yoga class before. And I was scared. I looked at her like, don't talk to me. I'm going to get in trouble. And I look up at the teacher and the teacher sees us talking. And I have this feeling again, which is, I think, how some teachers create a space of this, like, I'm the boss. I'm in charge. You do it. I say. And so I even looked up at her like, oh, no, I'm going to get in trouble. And she was like, yeah, yeah, Jameis, what she said was right. Um, move your elbows in a little bit. It'll make it easier. And then came over and high-fived the woman next to me who'd given me the tip and was like, hey, thanks for looking out. I was like, this is the kind of yoga space that I want to be in. And so I try to create that now um, and say it before every class, throughout class, especially during the trainings, um, these immersions. We have teachers, you know, all levels of practitioners, and a lot of them are teachers. And sometimes I'll have half teachers, half practitioners. Sometimes, you know, there's whatever the ratio is. I love to encourage everyone to help each other out and to, and again, just to try to dismantle the hierarchy of Jameis is a teacher. She's the boss. She knows what's best because I don't. And I, I learn a lot from from other teachers and practitioners who who come to class who offer me who offer me things or who do some cool variation it's like yeah I like that I'm gonna try that when I practice tomorrow so yeah I went off on a tangent there but Jameis eloquently captures the environment she creates for her students and points out the opportunity the practice provides to deconstruct the hierarchy of the teacher-student dynamic. By welcoming each individual's expression and celebrating student choices, she holds a space where asking questions and learning from others is valid. With her help, I think we're given a bit more dimension to the phenomenon of the rocket room which continues to be a theme in these case histories. Ah, and this is where I get excited because, hey, if we can break down the hierarchy in the rocket room, maybe there's more we can do outside that room as well. And we'll be right back to Space Case after this quick thank you to our sponsor, and this episode is sponsored by one kick-ass crew of rocket yogis. I mean, if you could assemble them all in one room, it would be insanely impressive. And let me tell you more about them. They make time to learn about the practice off the mat. Yes, I'm speaking about you, the listeners. And I'd like to share where some of our listeners are joining in from. I'm going to uh, list off a number of communities, some of which I can pronounce and maybe some of which I cannot. I'm going to do my best um, based on uh, my Googling research ability to try to pronounce these locations correctly. Um, but uh, if I get it wrong, let me know. But the, the idea is I, I really want to thank and honor all these locations where Rocket is um, making an impact in some way, shape, or form. 
And uh, these listeners are amazing. And they are located in Las Cruces in Albuquerque, New Mexico. They are located in Woodland Park, Colorado, Littleton, Colorado, Louisville, Aurora, Broomfield, and Denver, Colorado. This listener group also extends to Louisville, Duncan, Fort Worth, and Mesquite, Texas. We also have Fort Mill, South Carolina, Clover, South Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, and Cornelius, North Carolina. Oh, yes, and Greensboro, North Carolina. We also have listeners in Washington, D.C., Manassas, Virginia, Alexandria, Virginia, and Gainesville, Virginia. Thank you very much, D.C. crew. Uh, thank you again from or to Oslo, Norway, Guadalajara City, Jalisco, Mexico, El Pajarezu, Catalonia, Spain, Berlin, Germany, and London, England. Wow, thank you all for listening. Your willingness to check in and be open to each person's experience with this practice is appreciated and you're in good company. At this moment in time, November 13th, 2019, we have had 277 listens with an estimated audience of 77 subscribers in 16 countries. And you know what that means? Well, it means this is a platform to elevate higher ideas. So if you like this podcast and learning about Ashtanga yoga and practicing in general, I have a few other suggestions for you. In fact, it would be an understatement to say that the number of broader conversations have been uh, emerging in our community about how we share the yoga practice. And I feel like it would be or I would be remiss, especially as much as Ashtanga comes up on this podcast, not to mention them. So with gratitude to all of you who are following Space Case, I humbly suggest that you take some time to follow up on the following content creators to further deepen your perspective on the context in which our case histories are being captured. A landscape being developed by an intersectional perspective of diversity equity, and inclusion in the yoga industry. By no means is this an exhaustive list of uh, resources, but it is a few channels that I think are worth your attention that range in approach to these conversations. But they're all bringing light on these discussions in their own way. So I'll begin with a recommendation that Jameis will refer to in the next segment, which is Practice and All is Coming, Abuse, Cult Dynamics, and Healing in Yoga and Beyond, which is a recent publication by Matthew Remsky, and you can locate that at matthewremsky.com. Next, we have Yoga is Dead, and we're going to tell you who killed it described as a revolutionary podcast that explores power, privilege, fair play, harassment, race, cultural appropriation, and capitalism in the yoga and wellness worlds. Join Indian American hosts Tejal and Daisal as they expose all the monsters lurking under the yoga mat. And that is available at yogaisdeadpodcast.com. And finally, the cartoonist Zoe, known as Unruly Ascetic on IG, who uses her artwork to visually provoke contemplation 
of the complexities and privilege of the Ashtanga yoga practice. Zoe's work is an authentic expression of her truth that resonates with many of us, and so I hope that you will check her out as well. And you know, considering these topics makes me want to share a little bit more of my intentions with this space briefly to capture as many unique and intersectional perspectives as possible. And I'm going to be honest with you, I will likely need your help to do that. In fact, I'm asking for it. So at me about how we can better make this space more inclusive. If you have any thoughts on that, I'd be so happy to hear them. And if you have anything else that you'd like to share on our next episode, please reach out at elsayogi.com slash space case. And now back to space case. Most of you don't need to be told that November is Rocket Yoga Month as it commemorates the work of Larry Schultz in celebration of his birthday on November 14, 1950. And it would be more than fair to say his philosophies speak to some of the topics we're discussing in yoga today. I mean, from modifications to adjustments to focusing on the guidance of the inner teacher rather than the external guru, what Larry was sharing seems especially timely now. I asked Jameis to share how she experiences and embodies these philosophies. Here's more. It's really special the way you describe the energy that you're creating. You have highlighted several things that um, that happen in Rocket that I do think are that that people will really relate to. Um, but it's clear to me that it's your understanding of that that's helped to make your community so successful. And congratulations on getting that space and getting your students. Um, to buy into sharing what you have uh, to to offer. It's so cool to hear you talk about that. And um, well, they're really lucky to have you. And it's, it's, it's really exciting. I think that people don't always, I guess one of the things that I'm like having a meta observation is like people don't always recognize the, they know they're having fun and they know that this is good for their body, but I don't always think that they realize, you know, the environment that that teacher has created. And so it's kudos to you. This is like, this is super cool about that. Yeah. And I mean, it's not, I, I mean, I think that's the strength um, when it comes out not everybody is, has an easy time with that. Um, you know, getting the students to feel that way. And you've clearly been really successful at that. It's awesome. Okay. So, um, you talked a little bit about Larry, but I want to, uh, pitch the next question to you, um, to share, you know, essentially, how do you experience the philosophies of Larry Schultz? I loved that I got to actually think about this question because I love Larry's philosophies. I think they are simple, direct, powerful, and applicable not just to our yoga practice, but to 
into our everyday lives. And I love sharing little snippets of them in my classes during Shavasana or before to kind of theme or just to remind people like, hey, you know, here's, here's what this practice came from. And, um, and I think often, and I've been thinking even more so now about his philosophy of trusting your inner teacher and how Larry rejected the guru mentality. And I want to preface that with making sure that I'm not um, putting Larry up on the pedestal of like, oh, he's so great because he did this. But I think that with everything coming to light now, with all of the abuse taking place for years within the Ashtanga community, um, I just read Matthew Remsky's book, um, Practice and All is Coming, Abuse, Cult Dynamics, and Healing in Yoga and Beyond. And it was traumatic to read, but necessary to read. And it made me think a lot about how Larry took something, he, he took the Ashtanga practice, but he made it work for him. And that was something people weren't doing back then, which we know it's what everyone does now. But I it feels so good thinking about um, about how over these last four years, um, on a personal level, for myself and for my students, emphasizing that you know what's best for you. And we do need teachers to help give us guidance about, um, I mean, I, I honor all of my teachers and I've learned so much from every teacher that I've ever had. But at the same time, you are your own greatest teacher and you are the only one who really understands the wisdom and the intelligence of your body, what feels good to you, what feels good not only in your body, but what feels good in your, your soul, what resonates with you within the practice. And so that, to me, is something that I'm working on still, especially over these last two years, and even more so within um, these last few months. It's, it's work that um, I'm really working on now, and that is to trust in to trust in myself, to trust in my ability to lead, to trust in my ability to teach. And I think that it doesn't matter if you're a rocket practitioner or not. That is wisdom that we all need to hear constantly. And um, I had mentioned that this before, but I also love, so I'm definitely, I think there's a certain type of person who is drawn to the rocket. And, um, you know, we're a special breed. I noticed after going to, I don't know, my third or fourth rocket training, I was like, man, everyone here is cool as fuck. Like, people are just cool. And I think it's because a certain person is drawn to rocket to practice it and especially to want to teach it. Um, and it's that you have a certain intensity for sure, because it's an intense practice. It's physically demanding, but 
it also has this element of playfulness and not taking yourself too seriously. So this whole idea of working hard and playing hard, I love that. And not taking yourself too seriously because um, I'm definitely somebody that can be described as very intense when it comes to things that I care about. I can be super intense, but I can also be, you know, I also love to, to have fun and I like to have fun in my yoga classes and create an environment where, you know, where you can come and have fun and try new things and fall and get back up and laugh and come back again the next day or the next week. So um, I love that. And then the other one that I, I think really is powerful and important on a lot of different levels that we talked a lot about in the rocket immersion that I led last weekend is the idea of practicing what you teach and teaching what you practice. And I think not only, I mean, there's the obvious route for that. Like if you're going to be a rocket teacher, you should practice the sequences and understand them in your own body. That's the best way to be able to teach. But more than anything, what I get from that, and I think it's, it's important now more than ever, and that is how you show up for yourself, how you show up for your community. Um, are you practicing what you teach or preach? Um, are, you know, are you being inclusive? Are you supporting everyone? Are you um, turning a blind eye to injustices? To um, when, when you see what's going on in your community, how do you show up not only on your mat, but off, off the mat? And I think that's really, really important now. Um, and then the last, I mean, they all really resonate with me, but of course, you know, self-love has been a big part of my journey as a yoga practitioner learning to love myself, not being super hard on myself. That's, that's definitely um, something that I recognize about myself and I'm also working on, but this idea that we can pay attention to how we're feeling within the practice. We, um, we can get to know ourselves first, you know, through our bodies, through these moving meditations that we do and the more comfortable that we feel within that practice, the more confident we become, the more we feel it's okay to live authentically, to express ourselves and learning to love yourself through the practice. I mean, that's what it's all about. So, yeah. I'd like to let those words resonate for a moment. The practice helps us become comfortable, confident, and safe to live authentically and express ourselves so that we can show up in our communities off our mat. And I think this raises some interesting questions for each of us to explore. What does it mean to teach what you practice and practice what you teach? Those of us who are showing up to share practice, we have a big opportunity to create an inclusive space, which is needed now more than ever.
what is the role of creativity in this practice for you? Kind of touched on it before, but I think that again, it, the rocket calls to me and I think it's why I enjoy teaching it um, and not just teaching rocket classes during the week, but being able to teach people about this system, about the rocket skeleton, how, hey, we have, we do have some structure. Here's the structure. But at the same time, we're encouraged as rocket teachers and practitioners to tap into that creativity that resides in all of us. You know, in Ayurveda, we talk about, about bhata, the energy of movement. And I obviously am someone who is drawn to that creativity because of, um, I was initially really drawn to prana flow because of that, that idea of, of being able to move around the mat about how you can change the effects of the practice by doing different variations, by, um, by this idea of, of dynamic movement versus holding poses statically. Um, I'm also someone who, who loves freeform movement, who loves dancing. I love ecstatic dancing. I like, get super weird if I'm having a really bad day. I'll crank up music and just sort of flail around my house. Um, and and it, it makes me feel alive and it brings me into the present. So I love, like I'm, I mentioned before, I love this idea of saying, hey, we're all going to practice this sequence together, but I'm going to get creative as a teacher, which is something that's so beautiful about the rocket is you can take a class with a rocket teacher anywhere in the world and, and you'll and you'll still have that same vibe. You'll have that skeleton. You'll understand what the sequence is. But I always love seeing that flavor that teachers give to the practice, figuring out where, um, where, where they studied before, right? There, there's a lot of ways that I integrate Ayurveda and prana flow variations and creativity into the rocket. Um, and the way that I, that I teach the rocket um, is definitely – my background is in vinyasa, so I, I keep a sense of fluidity to it versus the more rigid Ashtanga way. But I also love taking rocket classes with teachers who have an Ashtanga background to, um, to be able to practice maybe that more simplified, um, uh, direct route, if that makes sense. But um, more than anything, I love, and I do this in every single rocket class that I teach, I'll always open up with, you know, when they're in their first few sun salutations saying, I want you to know that this is your time on your mat, and I will offer you numerous variations, but just because I don't suggest something and you want to do it, I really encourage you to do that, and I think that we don't necessarily get enough of that in in studio spaces. I mean, I can rattle off so many examples of times when, like I, I mentioned that before, where I've been um, called out for doing a handstand, you know, or showing off or something, but I wasn't. I just wanted 
to get upside down. I love it. It makes me feel good. Um, or uh, for not doing the core work, you know, or, or whatever it is. I think that, you know, Larry's no bind, no problem, right? If you want to do a bind, do a bind. And if you don't, don't. And I think people aren't used to that in, in yoga spaces. And I think it's important. It's, it's a really great way for you to put the power back in the student's hands and say, hey, trust yourself and get a little bit creative and, um, and also get inspired by the people practicing around you. I'll always say that too. If you see someone doing something cool, feel free to ask them about it or just try to see what they're doing. And I, I love that about the rocket. It's part of what makes it a, a community practice because I feel like we're all able to express ourselves individually as teachers and practitioners, but at the same time, it's not a free-for-all. <laughs> we have a sense of structure, which is the perfect balance for someone like me, who um, I, I practice, uh, you know, the primary series on my own, but I, I never was, if anything, I almost had an aversion to this idea of the very strict traditional Ashtanga practice because yoga was helping me unlearn all of that as somebody who grew up as, um, as an athlete who's always pushing too hard. My work has always been to soften a little bit. And so the rocket gives me the best of both worlds. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You led right up into the self-practice part. And I feel like, um, with your background with Ayurveda and the different things that you've mentioned, um, with your understanding of softening that you just referred to, I'm super curious to hear like, what is a week in your, your practice? Like, like what would you do in an ideal, um, self-practice week? For me, I really try to, I know it's the cliche yoga, but I really try to listen to what I need. And, um, and there is a difference between what we think we need and what we actually need physically, mentally, spiritually. And so an ideal week for me, um, I'm not just a no, I don't want to even, that's not the right language, but I don't just practice yoga. How about that? I still enjoy, I enjoy boxing. Um, I still run when my knee isn't bothering me. But uh, as far as my self-practice goes, I usually like to do at least two days a week, my own version of a modified primary series. So it's pretty much the whole primary series. I just don't do a lot of the lotuses. Full lotus feels good sometimes, but I injured my knee doing a half lotus, demoing something, not mindfully earlier this year. And so I definitely have pain in that knee. So I kind of, I feel out what feels good and, and sometimes doing um, all of the, the crazy binds. It, it, I'm not feeling it and I'll just sort of modify things based off of what's going on in my body. I love practicing, you know, I like to throw in a rock, at least one rocket one rocket two or three, I would say I practice maybe four days a week, five on a good week. Um, but sometimes for me too, I, I do a lot of breath work. Pranayama has become a big part of my home practice and I love practicing drills. I love getting my blocks and straps out and, and playing around 
with um, with different variations of things. I love to pull up YouTube and watch Keno McGregor's breakdowns of things from the second or third series and just playing around with stuff. But I I love practicing at home. However, over the last six months, we have a lot more rocket classes here in Charlotte, which is really exciting. So I try to go at least once a week to go support another teacher, you know, somebody who's taken the trainings, um, who's maybe starting a class at a studio, they got a rocket class on the schedule. So trying to rally people through social media and going and supporting them. And it's just, I love, as much as I love my home practice, there is something really fun about practicing rocket with a community in a group setting. So I would say I, um, it fluctuates my practice um, and I'm really good with that over this last year. You know, the older I get, the longer you practice, the longer you teach, the more you realize that sometimes doing the yoga is not doing the yoga and just giving yourself space to take a day off or go for a walk with my dog or go hit things, hit and kick a, a punching bag. <laughs> sometimes that feels just as grounding as doing the primary series. <laughs> what rocket yogis do you want to meet or study or practice with? I love this question too. Um, so I am really excited next Tuesday, I think it's next Tuesday, but I, so Kate Moser is a yoga uh, rocket teacher from Austin who's traveling around the country with her husband right now. And she came to training in Charlotte this summer and she's awesome. And they're coming back through Charlotte. So she's going to sub out my Tuesday class so that we can all practice with her because we all got to um, meet her and she's a phenomenal uh, practitioner and just has a great vibe. So I'm really excited to be able to practice with her next week. Um, Hill from Austin, I have heard wonderful things about him. We're Instagram friends, but um, I got to meet some other really powerhouse, just badass women um, who came to Charlotte from Colorado. And um, it was really awesome to hear from them about how they've been practicing with Hill and he was really awesome. And um, so I would love to be able to practice with him. And then as far as just getting the word out, you know, I love Davina Davidson. I don't know if you know her, but she assisted one of the trainings that I took maybe four or five years ago down in, um, in Rincon. And she had a huge part in encouraging me and giving me advice about not giving up and how it was going to take a long time to build this community here in Charlotte, because she had done the same thing in Houston. And I, cornered her after class and she was so kind and sat down with me for about an hour and and warned me about everything that was going to happen but but said you know you just gotta you know that you love the practice and you just it's going to take some time to find your people but I learned so much from her and I adore listening to her yoga talks on on Instagram 
I feel like she, she, she's honest, she's transparent and, and she talks about things, especially from the business side of being a yoga teacher that a lot of people don't talk about and it's necessary to start having these conversations. So um, I, even though I haven't seen her in a couple of years, I still think of her as a mentor. And so I would love to be able to get out to Houston or maybe even get her over here to the East Coast to be able to practice with her again. Okay, so next question is, what are you working on? Hey, what am I working on? Um, right now, I think I have definitely made a shift. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I can be part of the change. I mean, I, it starts with coming back to what I had mentioned before about learning to trust myself as a teacher and a leader in the community. And, um, and I think I'm trying to figure out how to bring more transparency into the yoga community as teachers and to talk about the business side of things and to talk about, I mean, again, that, that book, Matthew Remsky's book really affected me. I mean, there was our share, share of um, sexual allegations within my own community here in Charlotte. And, and I think it's important for us as yoga teachers to have honest conversations. And, um, and I think some of that also, what I'm working on, you know, is, of course, figuring out how to further dismantle the hierarchy within yoga and the patriarchy. Um, how if, you know, it's a female dominated industry. So why are most of the leaders men? Um, and, and I'm trying to figure out how I can use my privilege to try to um, have conversations with people, point again, point out when I see injustices or to say, hey, why, why aren't there any women there? Why aren't there any people of color? Like how, how do we make the yoga community more inclusive? And so, of course, when it comes to trying to, to change the world, uh, it starts with cleaning up your own side of the street. And so trying to, um, to look at and reflect within my own community, what's, what's happening, who's there, who's, who's not there in leadership roles. And, um, and coming back to also this idea of the hierarchy of, um, of, of yoga teachers, thinking that they have to do everything out of the goodness of their heart all the time, that you have to, um, that you have to do things for free, that you have to, um, to be like subservient to, to, to teachers who've been teaching longer than you. Um, I feel like we all have something to bring to the table. So trying to be honest about my own insecurities about um, things that I see that we, that we should talk about and then figure out how we can fix, because I think there are a lot of things within, um, you know, the yoga studio model that are broken. I mean, yoga teachers, 
it's really difficult to make a living. You kind of have to um, either be teaching 25, 30 classes a week and inevitably become burnout. Like I did it. I feel like a lot of us do. Um, but yeah, trying to figure out how we can, um, how we can be leaders in the community and do it with intention, but also I think it's important that yoga teachers start talking about how we're business people too. And, um, and we live in a capitalistic society and, um, and there's, it's a billion dollar industry. And so at what point do yoga teachers say, Hey, so why am I only making $30 a class, but there's 60 people in the room or, or whatever that is, but just trying to, I guess, start, start uncomfortable conversations. I'm good at that. So that's really what I'm, I'm working on now. Wow, what a passionate advocate for our community and insightful facilitator. I am so grateful for how Jameis highlights the potential of one person to unite many practitioners around an approachable but admittedly intimidating indie niche practice in the mainstream hot power yoga market. This case really brings to light the spark rocket energy can ignite, and it challenges us to do important work. Jameis is an outstanding ambassador to this practice and a test to those teachings. I asked her to let us know where we can practice with her. So I am currently leading what I would definitely call a rocket revolution down here in the Southeast. Um, it's really picking up and I think it's getting on people's radars and people want to learn more about it and understand the, the system and the practices. So, um, you know, I'm based out of Charlotte, but what's really cool is through these intensives that I've been offering, we've been able to grow the Rocket community. So now it's not just Charlotte. Um, we've got a crew in Greensboro, North Carolina, High Point, North Carolina, Winston-Salem, Elon. Um, I mentioned Fort Mill, South Carolina, um, Athens, Georgia, down in St. Simons Island, Georgia. I feel like we're, we're growing and it's beautiful because it does feel like it's a network. It's a community and we're all here rooting for each other. And the more um, rocket practitioners and teachers we have, the better it is for the, the collective. And I remember when, um, I guess last year, two years ago, whenever I was, I was trying really hard to get Pat or David here to lead a training. I didn't feel like I was ready yet, like two years ago. And um. And I was explaining to my parents what, you know, and I'm trying and this, but they don't want to come yet. I feel like they don't think I can, we can fill up a training. And my dad looked at me and he said, I just don't understand. You're the only rocket teacher in Charlotte. Why wouldn't you want to keep that? Why would you want more rocket teachers? Like then they're going to be your competition. And I was like, no, I, I definitely have, you, know, you definitely have that thought. I'm human, right? So you have this initial like, should I not do that, right? Is this gonna somehow take away from me? But I knew in my heart 
No. We need more teachers um, or practitioners, people who understand the system, who understand the sequences, who understand the philosophy, who understand what we're trying to do. And the more teachers we have, the more people who take these trainings and intensives, the bigger the community is going to grow. And that's how we really start to impact the yoga community here in the Carolinas. And and I was right. And it, it feels really awesome to have so many kick-ass teachers all over the place um, who come up. So I have, I'm actually working with the studio that I rent space out at right now. To I'm going to be offering several trainings next year in 2020 here in Charlotte and in one in Greensboro, one in Winston-Salem. And um, yeah, and so I'll be launching all of those dates soon. You can follow me on Instagram, Jameis Yoga, and reach out if you ever have questions for all of you rocket teachers out there, or no matter what style of yoga it is, or even if it's not yoga, you're just, if you're trying to break the mold and start something new, don't be discouraged. And I, I try to follow the advice that that my mom gave me. She was an educator for, you know, her whole career. And she would always say that you can't focus on the big picture because it becomes too overwhelming. Focus on trying to impact one student at a time. And so if one person comes to your class or if there's 30 people in the class and only one person comes back, that's enough. You know, it's more than enough. That's how you really start to to do something different, but it's hard to do things that people aren't used to. It's hard to um, to feel like you're kind of on your own, which in some senses I did feel like that here in Charlotte, but then I knew that I had someone like Davina out in Houston that I could send her an Instagram message and say, hey, what about this? No one's coming to my classes. The studio owners wanna take it off the schedule or whatever. And she would say, hey, I've been there, keep going. And so that's, what kind of, I guess how I would want to close it out is I've been there and keep going. So yeah, that's all. <laughs> Jameis, it is my great honor. I can't believe this is the first time I've ever talked to you. I feel like I just need to move to Charlotte right away. <laughs> it's like, so stoked to hear your voice and hear your vibe and it's not a surprise. Long live the revolution, Jameis. And that concludes case four. Join in again next month for case number five. It's still in standing series, but you know what they say about getting there faster. It will be ready soon for your holiday pod listening pleasure. So please push subscribe wherever you listen to your Rocket Yoga podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and you're also invited to support this project by rating this podcast five stars and leaving a shout out to your special Rocket Yogi on Apple Podcasts so that I can share it here. Sponsorships are also accepted at lcyogi.com slash space case. Again, this is LC Yogi signing off from episode four of Space Case, a Rocket Yoga podcast. Thank you.